Morning, Cornerstone Church, Liverpool. It's Paul here. Um, great to see you this this morning. If you've been coming for the past few months or just come for the past few months, you might not recognise me. That's because the church has graciously given me a sabbatical for the past few months. So it's great to be with you this morning, opening up from the book of Philippians. So we're in Philippians um, chapter 1, verse 18 to 26. It'd be great if you could have that open as we work our way through this. Really interesting time to be alive at the moment, isn't it? Life at the moment really posing some serious questions. What is, what is the purpose? What happens when we die? How can suffering have a purpose? How do we experience joy and despair and, and hopelessness? The passage today shows us how Paul, who's facing possibly death by execution, is answering those questions. And we get invited to glimpse into his process. And through this, God is helping us to think through and process what we're experiencing now. See, in this book of Philippians, it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul from, from prison, possibly under house arrest. And he's writing to a group of believers in the Roman colony of Philippi. And he holds a really deep affection for them. It comes out throughout this letter. And so far we've heard him pray for them in thankfulness for their partnership. He's got real joy when he thinks of them. And he prays for their growth in the faith, for the, the love of the Father through the Son by the Spirit. And the Philippians and the correspondence they seem to have, they, they, they seem to be concerned for him in his situation. But Paul tells them that there is good in this situation, that God is working even in the worst circumstances as he experiences his imprisonment and, and, and even through the bad motives of some, some of the people around him preaching the gospel. He is rejoicing because Jesus Christ is proclaimed. And it's here that we pick it up, verse 18, towards the end of verse 18, where he says this, yes, and I will rejoice. Straight away, we get this confident assertion of joy. I will rejoice. Last week, he was explaining and, and telling them how he had joy looking at his circumstances, and now he's looking forward with the real possibility of death for him, awaiting a trial with a, the probable outcome, if precedence is anything to go by, is death, but he's joyful. So how can Paul have joy? in such dire circumstances. Number one, I want to look at the fact that he's got a right view of himself and his dependency. Verse 19, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul knows it's not all down to him. And what Paul does here, he outlines two areas he gets help from. And both of these areas are into connected. First of all, he gets help from the divine spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God himself. Not a force, but a person. Equally and fully God. And he's explained that the Holy Spirit is nourishing him, strengthening him. That's what that word helps mean in, in his trials. And, and don't forget where he is, folks. He's in prison. He's under house arrest. He is going to be alone. But what he's saying here is he is never alone because God is always with him. See, as believers, we can feel alone. We can feel isolated. Maybe you do even now through the situation that we're facing. But in reality, folks, we are never alone if we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. God is always with us. God is always helping us. God is always strengthening us. God is always nourishing us. And he also receives human help in the form of prayers from believers who are many, many, many miles away. See, Paul, he's just outlined, just before this in the letter, he's outlined his prayers for them. But this is not a one-way street. He, he's actually also asking the, the Philippians to pray for him, 
He does it in a lot of his letters in Romans and, and the Corinthians and Colossians and Thessalonians. He asked the believers to pray for him. Paul is just a man. He's not Jesus Christ, but he needs the help of Jesus Christ. And he asks for it through the help of God's people. He's not too proud or too full of self-pity to reach out to people, to say, please pray for me. I'm struggling. I need deliverance from this situation. See, Christians, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a family. Reach out. Pray for people. Ask for prayer from people. If you're on the edge or the periphery of, of the church at the moment and struggle to connect there, maybe you've, you've taken yourself to the edge. You're un uncomfortable in some of the arenas that we have to engage, maybe Zoom or, or, or online, different ways of doing things, and you're waiting, things for, waiting for things to change. We're coming close to a year now. And what I think we see here is, is the blessing, even in the isolation that Paul is faced with, of Christian connection and Christian community of prayer for and with God's people. But how can you engage? You may have been out for a, a while and you may feel on the edge and you may feel that this is a struggle and a hurdle to get over, but God's people are just, they would love to welcome you. They would love to pray for you. They would love to pray with you. God builds his church. He builds us up through the prayers of his people. And if you're not a believer listening to this today, can I invite you in today too? You'll see today that what we live and proclaim out is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. But we do this as a family, brothers and sisters in Christ. We'd love you to connect with us. You don't have to do this alone, but are people ready to walk this with you? So number one, Paul can have this confident joy because God is with him and God's people are with him in prayer. Number two, he has this confidence joy because he has the right motivation. Verse 20, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honoured in my body, whether by life or by death. This is huge for Paul because Paul is, is part of like an honour and shame culture, different to what we experience in our own culture. And so what Paul is saying is it's his hope and expectation that he wouldn't be ashamed. But then the, the surprise is where the honour goes. Because it actually shows us what Paul's motive is. And Paul's motive is that Jesus Christ be honoured. Paul is more concerned with Jesus Christ's glory, Jesus Christ being honoured more than his own. And so as Paul, in this situation he finds himself in, courageously, as he says, proclaims the gospel to those who'd imprisoned him for proclaiming the gospel, he keenly anticipates, he's got this expectation that the Lord Jesus Christ would be honoured through him and through that situation. His motivation is that Jesus Christ would be honoured in his life at his death. He uses the phrase, really challenging phrase, in his body. What he's saying is Paul's own physical sufferings. The Christ would be honoured in his honoured in Paul's physical sufferings. And he says now, as always, and what Paul's doing, he's reflecting on previous times in his life where he suffered physically for the gospel. And through those times, as he reflects, he's seen that Jesus Christ was honoured. Jesus Christ was made much of through all of these times. And so therefore, because of that, he also has this eager expectation that Christ will be honoured now. Do you see how Paul's right motivation dispels, pushes back his fear? See, there must be fear constantly creeping in. The threat of death, the threat of beating every time he heard the boots outside banging on the pavements. But Paul's inner motivation, inner desire, dispels it. 
It dispels this fear of death. So Paul has no fear of death because even in death, Jesus Christ would be honoured. But the flip side is also true that Paul has no fear in life or all the suffering that his life might bring because of how he seeks to honour Christ, because Jesus Christ will be honoured. What a challenge. He's basically saying he's all in. This is risk-taking, the, the, the type that we've just seen on that video. Gospel risk with, with no fear. With this lady Fatima is saying, I am a Christian even unto death. Why? Because it's all for the honour of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we had that mindset, if that was our ultimate drive, our ultimate motivation, the glory of God in the Lord Jesus Christ, would that change our lives now? Fear at the moment, it's, it's very real. There is a real and present danger. But some of the fear, fear that we, we feel isn't based on reality. Some of it's imagined or unseen or anticipated even. And as, as this lockdown eases, as we look to these months ahead and restrictions seem to are going to pass away, some of that fear still remains. So how can we change a mindset which is imprisoned by fear and anxiety? And if not imprisoned, then disproportionately influenced by our fears and our anxieties. Maybe you've got stuck in a pattern of self-preservation or self-protection, which if you're honest, you know yourself is a place of no joy, no peace, ironically, no ultimate security. But living for the glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, folks, that is liberating, even in perceived danger, even in perceived risk. And ironically, again, that is the place where true joy, true peace, true security is found. We can, for the glory of God and the good of others, step out confidently with confident joy and boldness, as Paul says, courageously proclaiming the gospel. Eager expectation, eager hope that Jesus Christ will be honoured. So second of all, Paul can have a confident joy because his motivation is right to honour Christ. Paul then goes on to develop his point in verse 21, where he displays a right perspective on life and death that leads him to joy. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Such a quotable verse. You see this verse in so many different places. And it's one, I think, that I've actually misunderstood. I've thought this verse, that it was saying that life is hard, living for Jesus Christ is hard, but in death is gain because a Christian death leads to eternal life. And after spending time just looking at the flow of this passage and what Paul is saying, I don't think that's Paul's point in this verse. That concept may be true, but I don't think it's his point in this verse. And, and maybe my mistake is because I was seeing it from a, a purely individualistic perspective. My life is hard, but I'll gain heaven. Or maybe it's because I've removed it from the context. I've taken out the word for from the start of the sentence. You see, the word for tells me it's part of the, the whole point that Paul is making throughout this passage. He's just said, hasn't he, that his motivation is to honour Christ in life or death. They're both good things, good ways to honour the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and this verse actually continues Paul's point. In verse 22 to 26, which we'll get to in a minute, he actually unpacks it further. And so when Paul says, for me to live is Jesus Christ, for me to live is Christ, he's saying to live is to seek to glorify Jesus Christ in his life, to engage in fruitful labour, to see the Philippians grow in their faith, to see the, the guards that have imprisoned him, given their lives for Christ, and to die is gain. 
he's not saying because what he gets after death. He makes that point in verse 23 a bit later on, but he's actually saying that even in his death, this is gain because in his death, Jesus Christ will be honoured. His death is gain because in his martyrdom, Jesus Christ is glorified. His death points to Jesus Christ. That's why the message of the cross is so earth-shattering. We live for the glory of God in life and in death. We aren't defined by circumstances or situations, the pandemic or our death, but we're defined by God himself. I'm reading a book at the moment I've been doing with the, um, where I've got three little girls at, at home and I'm seeking to disciple them with seven, nine and 11 year old girls, seeking to disciple them well and, and talk about this kind of ris risky living for the gospel that, that they're invited into, which is where peace and security is found. And it's a book called Christian Heroines. And what it is, it's a, it's a book about all the women who've lived and died for the Lord Jesus Christ through the last 2000 years. And I read one <clears throat> last week about a lady called Betty Stamm. Now, Betty's time, she was called to, to China. Before she went there, she met a man and, and she, she nearly married this man. She had a real desire to be married. But as she processed this, she decided that it, she wasn't going to marry him and they weren't going to get married. They decided this together because their primary desire was to serve Jesus Christ by reaching other people groups. So they went and she went to China. And in God's sovereignty, he ended up in China. They met again in Shanghai as they were both serving. And they realised that they could serve Jesus Christ by being married together too. So they, they both served in, in China, they both served in, in danger, in life-threatening, life-threatening um, situations for Christ. In 1907, they were imprisoned and then they were dragged to a public shaming before the authorities and a large crowd that had built up in the province. And they were called publicly to announce their faith. And they didn't, they wouldn't. And they were both beheaded. Their death went spurred on the Chinese Christians to, to proclaim and live out their faith in boldness. And the church in that province grew. On her husband's gravestone was Philippians 1 verse 20. In my life and death, the Lord Jesus Christ be honoured. And on her gravestone next to it was Philippians 1.21. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Their lives glorified Christ. Their deaths glorified Christ. Both in life and death, they glorified the Lord Jesus Christ. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Is this your perspective? Do we see our purpose in life to glorify Christ in all that we do? Does this work out in all of our choices? Do you seek to use your marriage to glorify Christ like Betty Stam did and her husband? Or do you in your singleness, like Paul did, seek to glorify Christ? We are not restricted by our circumstances. And God is inviting us here into a, into a place where deep, confidence, joy, deep confident joy is found in seeking to serve him for the glory of Christ. So Paul, he has that confident joy because he had the right perspective on life and death. Paul then shows he has a right purpose in verse 22 to verse 24. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labour for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. See, Paul here, he explains what he's saying. If the choice was his, he's like, I'm not sure which way you would go. Both sides have benefits, which, if we're honest, if we look at Paul's situation, that's a big challenge because his, his situation is terrible, we would say. He's, 
He's under house arrest. He's bound in chains. He's awaiting trial and probably death. So it's a great opportunity that he takes to show the Philippians exactly how he is processing what he's experiencing. And he says this, that if he lives physically in the flesh, there's an opportunity for him to have fruitful labour. He gets to proclaim the gospel to his oppressors, to the guards that are beating him, to the people who he's going to stand um, in the trial with. He gets to encourage fellow believers, the Philippians, to grow in their faith. He gets to grow in his own faith. See, Paul's physical restrictions, they don't limit God. They don't limit what God can do. God is still working. And his situation, Paul knows that he is in, is no accident. Paul is imprisoned, but he can still have fruitful labour. Folks, that is a huge challenge. God is not limited by this lockdown. He isn't limited by Zoom or Google Teams or the internet or whatever other things you might be using. God is working, moving, acting. We can engage in fruitful labour. But Paul also, he may be killed. That is the very real threat of death. The upcoming trial, if, any, if precedent is anything to go by of other trials, it'll probably end in death. But even if he does get through that trial, he probably will face death by proclaiming the gospel. So his whole life is lived on the edge of death. And Paul is saying to be with Christ is, after death is better. He's not saying Jesus Christ is not with him now. The Holy Spirit is with him now. He's united in Christ. He said that at the beginning of the passage. But he's describing life after to death, at life after death, what the theologians would call the intermediate state. That those who believe in Jesus Christ will pass through death to life with Jesus. A fuller, conscious awareness of the Lord Jesus Christ's presence. Till he returns, then we will be united with our bodies and live physically with him in the new creation. So he was saying, well, death is more desirable from his own perspective. It's better for him on one level. There's a greater fullness of joy. There's no brokenness, no sin, no decay, no suffering, no torture, no shackles on his, on his hands and on his feet, no guards to, to beat him, no silencing of his praise. But verse 24 shows us, how Paul has a purpose that drives him to glorify Jesus Christ by serving others in their faith. So his, his personal desires, his own safety, his own individual desires, they're all submitted, subordinate to the desire that he has to serve God. Right at the start of the series, we, we looked at it and Steve showed us, told us about the word joy. Jesus, others, yourself. That's how joy is found in serving in that order. And it's worked out here by, by, by Paul. I recently watched a, a film called Greenland that's on Amazon Prime with Gerard Butler, the, the Scottish Spartan guy. And in the film, a meteor comes to destroy Earth and everything just descends into chaos. And he becomes a fight to survive at all costs to protect them. Gerard Butler, the main character, he just wants to protect himself, his wife and his child. And it's all about survival. Protect you, protect yours, self-preservation. It's all down to you. Batten down the hatches as long as you're okay your family okay, everything is okay. Which, if we're honest, does display a reflex of the human heart, a distortion that actually surfaces in how we function, which leads to isolation and fear. But God, through Paul here, is actually showing us a better way. Our purpose isn't mere survival. It's not self-preservation, protect you and yours, but to live and die for the glory of God, to seek others' best interest above your own. And so Paul can have Joyful confidence because he has a right purpose. And lastly, Paul has a right goal, verse 25 and 26. Convinced of this, 
I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul tells them he's convinced he will remain alive so that he can help them in their faith to progress. And when he says faith, he talks about faith in, in the gospel. Jesus Christ's life, death, resurrection, ascension and future return. They have meaning and consequences for us all. So for those not in Christ, not a, who don't believe, Jesus will return in judgment. But for those who do believe, his death means that our sins are gone, our guilt is gone, our shame is gone. We've been forgiven, redeemed, restored. His resurrection tells us that we have new life. We are a new crea creation. We are children of God, transformed. God has given us a purpose to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And his ascension means that he is interceding for us now. In pain and suffering, he is pouring out his, his help through his spirit, his nourishment, his strengthening. And in his return, that future ultimate hope, he will make all things new. So Paul's goal is to live for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ by helping people. Like the Philippians, helping them to live out the consequences of the gospel in their life. To see them progress in their faith, to deepen in their joy. And when or if Paul returns to them, it's going to be a time of great celebration. Why? Because they'll be praising Jesus together for all he's done and for all he is doing. Everything is about the glory of God in Christ. So Paul, he has a joyful confidence because he has a right view of self, a right motivation, a right perspective, a right purpose, and a right goal. The glory of God in Christ. It's an interesting time to be alive, isn't it? Because here today we have an invitation from God into deep, lasting, confident joy that is only found in living for Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, help us to see that we are dependent upon you, that we need your help and your nourishment. Father, help us to see that the only true motivation is the glory, the glory of Christ in life or in death, to see that even suffering has value and worth in living and dying for Christ. Help us to see that the only true perspective is that, that this life that we are living is the arena that we are called to live for Christ and to die for Christ. Father, help us to see that the only true purpose is the one that we were made for, to seek your glory, to live for the good of others, to grow in their faith. Father, help us to see that the only goal is the glory of Jesus Christ and that everything else flows from that, is defined by that. Help us to see this passage and, and what we are experiencing today is an invitation to live in a way that brings true, confident, deep, lasting joy for us because Jesus Christ is ultimate. Jesus Christ is worthy of all praise. Jesus Christ is the point and purpose of life. He is truly beautiful. Jesus Christ is the beginning and the end, the Alpha, the Omega, the giver and provider of joy. He is the one to whom all praise belongs. Help us, Father, with Paul to be able to say, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Amen.